I can't even really, what do you even say to that? That was beautiful. <laughs> God, Brandon, I'm tearing up a little bit. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. On today's episode, we are continuing our look into the genre of movies that we are calling Christmas-adjacent films by talking about the 1991 Steven Spielberg film, Hook. Now, I don't have my co-host Thomas Horton with me today, but I do have another friend with me today from college that I've known for many years, and that is Amy Tippett Madrid. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brandon. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be great. It should be fun. So uh, before we get into it, Amy, I'm going to give everybody a recap on what Thomas and I have talked about this month so far. We've been talking about Christmas-adjacent movies this past month, and there are Christmas movies and there are Christmas-adjacent movies. And this month, we're trying to kind of show you the difference between them. And in Christmas movies, there is always a part where the character finds out the true meaning of Christmas. And a lot of this, as we kind of talked about early in the month, all spurs from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol and how Scrooge finds out the true meaning of Christmas. And many Christmas films would follow this structure uh, pretty much since the 1930s and onward. And now Christmas adjacent films is that Christmas is usually not integral to the plot of the film. It's usually used as atmosphere to kind of just add some texture to it. And I've always felt with Christmas adjacent films, the big thing is you could take the Christmas setting out of it and it wouldn't change the plot or the movie in any way. And I feel like today's movie kind of does that. Is that it's kind of it's, kind of, it's bookended <laughs> with with Christmas essentially, but many of these Christmas adjacent films will try to play on the tropes of Christmas films, and a lot of them try to use the setting of Christmas as a way to subvert the the story, which is why many of these films in this Christmas adjacent genre are crime films or horror films. But today is different because Hook is neither a crime film or a horror film; it is a family film. And so Hook, as I said, is a 1991 film inspired by J.M. Barry's 1911 novel, Peter and Wendy, which was originally based on his 1904 play, Peter Pan or the Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up. Now, I've never read the book. Amy has been reading a little bit of the book to prep for this. Yes, I have been reading a little bit of the book. I did not make it all the way through, but I did make it enough, far enough in to where I think talking about the book is an interesting like contrast to specifically hook mm-hmm. but um i think that going back to what you're talking about about christmas and like hook being christmas film i definitely think that hook it you i think it's more it uses it uses christmas as a way to invoke nostalgia in the viewers and i think like it's really it goes back it's like that because it's a children's like story and because like it's this thing from the past and i think jay and barry in the book so much of it, it's very symbolic to me of what the story is about of this like kind of like childhood and what is that like quintessential like childhood memory and for a lot of people that's christmas that's a good point so i think that's kind of why yeah so i think it it really works with the tone and the theme of both the original story and this kind of new reimagination reimagining of this original story yeah so christmas is not in the original book correct yeah it's not really i mean which is interesting uh you know because i i definitely is it in the one is it in the disney adaption i don't think it is i don't think it is yeah but it fits. I mean, it fits, though. It's like, it makes, it works. Yeah. It's not that it doesn't work. Yeah, it absolutely works. But I, yeah, I don't think it's in the original. It's definitely not in the book. So. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so with Hook, like, like Amy said, it's a reimagining of 
Peter Pan, the original novel. And uh, it's directed by Steven Spielberg, and it stars Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Julia Roberts, Bob Hoskins, and Dame Maggie Smith. I have not seen this movie in a little while, but it was a big childhood favorite of mine. And and the question I have, why did you want to talk about this movie? Yeah, so I think that for me, I mean, I'm a 90s kid. So Hook came out in 1991, which is literally the year I was born. Um, so I say I'm a 90s kid, but I, it, I mean, I was in my infancy <laughs> in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still a 90s kid. And I think there's kind of this like nostalgia um, and so like it was a movie that I had remembered and uh, so I was really excited to talk about it. I also really love kids like that genre in general, like just like mm-hmm. movies being made for like young people um, as someone who works with teenagers and young people to tell their stories and bring their stories to life. I'm often wonder, like I often ask myself the question, like, you know, is this a, a kid's film that's like made for an adult or is this like an adult, like a, you know, is this like a true, like you like kids movie? Yeah. So I was kind of excited to just like explore that um, and to, you know, just revisit some of my own childhood. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, as I said, I, I hadn't seen it in a while and it was one I always loved. But in the past few years, it's like, again, it's the trying to separate the my view as a kid to my view as an adult of the movie. Right. I think yeah. when I moved to L.A. and I began to find out how many people didn't like this movie and I was like, what? You don't like Hook? <laughs> What do you mean? Like, right? Like, it feels like a classic. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And actually, like, it's funny you should say that because I hadn't seen it in a while. And I remember, like, going into this, I was like, oh, I'm going to choose Hook. It's such a great movie. And I remember it being like, and then I rewatched it and I was like, oh, yeah. God. Okay. Like, you know, yeah, like, the heart, yeah. maybe this is not as great as I remember it to be. So I've definitely, I'm excited yeah, we, to yeah, talk we'll, about yeah, we'll, that. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk about that. But yeah, it was, yeah, like I said it was always one of my favorites because of Robin Williams and because of Spielberg and, and, right, sure. and I, and Disney's Peter Pan, the 1953 animated film is always one of my favorite animated films of all time. So it was hard because I don't think I've rewatched it in a while since the, like finding out the hatred for the movie. Um, yeah, for sure. And so I really had to try and take like kind of my nostalgia glasses off and view this as something that I don't have a connection with, um, which is difficult. And my biggest takeaway, right. my biggest takeaway from the film is that it is way too long. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is super, super long. And I think like I kept, uh, I kept waiting for like that moment to hit me the way that it like moments to hit me the way that I felt like they did as a kid, yeah. and I never got that like. I never got that like punch. And I felt like I realized as an adult that the pacing of this movie was actually off. Like it was like, it felt super long. It felt like the scenes like kind of dragged. Cause I, it's a two and a half hour long movie and it feels about at least a half hour too long. Well, and I think like, you know, when you're watching the animated Peter Pan, Mm -hmm. like from Disney, cause that's also one of my favorite animated movies. And I think that, you know, um, which is 77 minutes. I love, 77 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, we were able to tell this story in 77 minutes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and cause I love, I love Mary Blair, who is one of the concept artists who worked on Peter Pan mm-hmm. and has worked on lots of Disney stuff. And so it's just like, it's a beautiful, like, I mean, it's just a beautiful film. Yeah. It's just an absolutely beautiful film. And so I think that part of me wanted to kind of feel similarly about Hook the same way I do when I rewatch like that, that animated, you know, Peter Pan. And yeah. I had watched that recently, not like super recently, but within the last like few months since Disney Plus like came out, obviously, <laughs> you know, and so like rewatching that. So I was hoping for some of that and it just like it never happened. Like there were moments I really loved, mm-hmm. but nothing that was that, you know. 
So anyways, those are my, yeah. Let me give you a brief history of how this film got made. Great. Because I know nothing about how it got made. <laughs> it's, it's, a little, it's, it's interesting. So in the early 1980s, Steven Spielberg began toying with the idea to adapt J.M. Barry's classic novel, Peter and Wendy, for the big screen. Spielberg had always been a fan of the story because his mother would read the book to him as a bedtime story when he was younger. He even, well, that's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> he even directed a play version of the story when he was 11 years old at his school. Aww. When he began developing it, it was initially going to be at Walt Disney Pictures. And it was going to follow a storyline that was more in line with the previous film adaptations like Disney's 1953 adaptation. Spielberg's original version of the film was going to be a musical. Really? Yeah. At some point during the development of the project, John Williams and songwriter Leslie Bercusi, who also wrote uh, a couple of James Bond themes like uh, uh, Goldfinger, You Only Live Twice, and I think did a couple musicals as well, but they wrote... 10 songs for the movie. Wow. I had no. Yeah. <laughs> that is insane. So many of the okay. songs, so many of the songs would end up becoming part of John Williams' score. And okay. only one song from that original 10 is actually sung in the movie, and that's when Maggie sings When You're Alone oh. on the pirate ship. And when watching it this time it comes to that I go, this feels like a musical thing. And I, did, yeah, yeah. I, hadn't research, it's a moment. I hadn't researched this being a musical. So I was just like, oh, that's, this is kind of just, it, it take, it's a little bit of a left turn in terms of plot. Well, it's also interesting because there's not a lot of singing in the Disney film, like at all. No, like there's not, in the animated, like, songs like being it's played. more, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting. So the film would later move from Disney to Paramount Pictures sometime in the 80s. And screenwriter James V. Hart would come on board and begin adapting the novel. Now, Hart hadn't written much of note at this time, but he would later adapt many classic novels to film, including Dracula for Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, Frankenstein for Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and even Muppet Treasure Island he did as well. Also this time, Dustin Hoffman came on board to play Captain Hook because he wanted to make a film that his kids could go see. Pre-production for the film began in 1985 with plans to be filmed in England, but at this time, Spielberg's first son, Max, was born. When his son was born, Spielberg decided to drop out of the project to become a dad. Uh, he would eventually perma permanently abandon, quote-unquote, the project in 1987 after completing his film, The Empire of the Sun, feeling he ex expressed the same themes he would discuss in a pan adaptation. And so Paramount and screenwriter James Hart continued working on the project. And Paramount would bring on director Nick Castle to helm the movie after he had success with the 1980s hit The Last Starfighter. And as development continued, keep in mind, this is just a straight adaptation of Peter Pan. Uh, right. Hart began trying to come up with a new idea for the film. One night at dinner with his family, his son asked him, Daddy, did Peter Pan ever grow up? And Hart replied, uh... of course not. His son then responded, but what if he did? And that's when Hart realized that what if Pan did grow up like many of the baby boomer generation that he was in? And then Hart began to see, oh, this could actually work. And Hart right. saw that some of his friends who had become big Wall Street guys were essentially these kind of modern day pirates wearing three-piece suits and driving around limos. And it's like, oh, this is the end. What if, what if Pan grew up? And Hook actually did not get killed by the crocodile. So Robin Williams would sign onto the picture around 1989 with Hoffman still attached as Captain Hook. Now, Williams did have reservations because of the failure of his earlier film, which was also a musical, uh, and that was Popeye. And it was about like 
about nine years before, I think, uh, Williams thought that the public was not ready to see him play another popular character. And he thought right. it could fail like that one did. And he said he liked the, the Popeye, but it just it felt like it missed the mark on certain things. Well, no pressure, but that's yeah. some heavy lifting. You know, like yeah, those yeah. are some pretty, those are big characters. That's yeah. a hard shoes to fill. I get that. Yeah. And so at this time, the movie now titled Hook, Return of the Captain, <laughs> would move from Paramount Pictures to Stri TriStar Pictures. Nick Castle was still attached to direct the film. And the head of TriStar, Mike Metavoy, sent Spielberg the new version of Hook, because Metavoy used to be Spielberg's agent, and he felt this was more of a Spielberg project. TriStar would eventually dismiss Castle from the project because of creative disagreements between Castle and Hoffman and Williams. But they did pay him a $500,000 settlement to leave the movie. Wow. So Castle was out, and Spielberg was in, and that's how the project came to be. Wow, that's amazing. Here's $500,000 to never show your face here anymore. Yeah, it's <laughs> We don't want you. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see from like a studio perspective of like, okay, we got Dustin Hoffman, who's an Oscar winning actor at this point, Robin Williams, who's Oscar nominated actor, and right. like one of the hottest kind of, not just comedians, but also he's becoming a dramatic actor at this point. You see this almost as like a prestige project and you probably right, right. want a big director tackling it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was just going to say, I think that's why the movie doesn't succeed for me in the second half is because I think it like it builds up to its name in that first half of the movie. And yeah. then like, you know what I mean? Because I think it, it it's like you're saying, it's a big prestige project. Like it's supposed to be like a career. It should be. It, it feels like it should be career defining, but then it wasn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, it's like it should be like you're playing Peter Pan and Captain Hook. Like these are classic roles. This should be a big moment. And here it is like kind of being like a weekend box office kind of, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. just didn't it didn't really go well, well, you know, we'll talk about this later. But it was interesting because when it was coming out, people in the in the marketing of it began comparing it to like, is this this generation's Wizard of Oz? Because yeah, it no. was because it, <laughs> <laughs> because it was like all, I can say definitively yeah, it is not. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's because it's all these big names. It's a it's a right, it's right. A, it's a uh big director who at this point and weirdly with Spielberg, he's coming off kind of a little bit of a, a run of like doing adult dramas like Color Purple right. and Empire right. of the Sun. He would do uh Last Crusade, Indiana Jones Last Crusade, I believe in eighty nine, right before this. Well, but I also think this is like a really great moment to talk about like what happens to a movie when it goes through that much change in pre-production and in development like i think that i mean working for a limited time in the industry one of the things i learned is that like projects go through that they switch they move yeah. you know that happens a lot but you can definitely tell when something kind of gets like moved around and changed up and like there's too like you know what i mean like when there are too many voices and too many people yeah. and too many like you can always kind of tell when a project starts like leaning in that direction yeah. you know so i think that uh i definitely am interested to see or hear your thoughts on if hook Mm -hmm. did like do you think that was part of the reason that hook feels a little bit disjointed in some ways yes. like it feels you know yes i think it's because it went through so many so much now the backstory hearing the backstory in the history yeah. now kind of like informs that piece of the Spiel problem <laughs> spielberg I, I was gonna bring up later but i'll bring up now because it goes with the spielberg would later say that he chickened out and it should have been a musical interesting he's like he, he goes and she goes the sets were a musical like the sets were built as a I musical really... <laughs> I hate to disagree with Steven Spielberg, <laughs> but uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. But okay, that's what he. But I mean, 
That's what he felt. Yeah. 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 Well, and Spielberg, because to bring this up too, Spielberg has always flirted with the idea of doing a musical for his entire career. And that was the big news when he decided to do West Side Story, which was supposed to come out literally in the next few weeks uh, or in like next week, um, but has been postponed because of COVID. But like he's always been flirting with the idea of like, I'm going to do a musical. And he's like put musical right. sequences in his movies because he didn't like want to do a full on musical. And he just yeah. feel like he got scared to like do it. And I, I, I said, I don't know if a musical would have worked. I do get that. I, when you when you see the sets, so I think the sets are are beautiful. They are built as if they were a big like old school nineteen fifties yeah, musical. Yeah, yeah, I think that music does play a role in this movie yeah, in does. a way that is really important. I mean, John Williams, who is, I, I mean, he scores so much of of Spielberg yeah. stuff anyways you know like that's always a huge part of a Spielberg movie is that movement and that's that emotion that you get from jo the scoring and I think that is the same here in Hook I agree and yeah. I I think in a lot of ways like I was thinking about like who carried the film and we're gonna, <laughs> I know we're gonna talk about that later and I was like John Williams John Williams just carried this film I mean you know like uh because i think the the so it make it kind of like that piece of history does make a lot of sense you know just knowing yeah you know yeah, yeah. so well speaking of because I, I agree with you on john williams i think it's one of his more underrated scores agreed totally but going into that let's talk about favorite scenes in the movie do you have a favorite scene uh, one favorite scene you want to talk about first i had i started to list favorite scenes but i had a lot of like I, what i realized is that about this movie and part of the reason i actually struggled to really like, as I told you, like, I came into the movie, like, or came into this, like, oh, I'm going to really I'm gonna love, love it. And yeah, then I came yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah. And then came out of it, like, not really sure how I felt. Yeah. And I think a lot of that came from, like, I was trying to pick out favorite scenes. And what I realized is I had more favorite moments than, like, full sequences. That's fine. That's fine. I, you know? Yeah. So, but I do think that there was, uh, in the very beginning, the, the, the scene I think that would be my favorite is, first of all, I love Maggie Smith. Like, uh -huh. I love Dame Maggie Smith. She is just incredible. And I think that her scene with um, with Maggie, um, the little girl, yes, um, is just absolutely like Granny Wendy talking to Maggie and like reading her that story. And like, they're sitting there and um, there's this incredible shot where they like, they do, they kind of do a shot of the, the, the shadows, sil the, the silhouette, the silhouette, the silhouette of them, the silhouetted, yeah. yeah, on the, on kind of the like makeshift, like little tent thing. And it was just like, it was so sweet and so beautiful. And I, that was kind of the one moment for me that I was like, oh, I'm really like in this and I'm in this moment. Um, so that was kind of my like first, like my first, like, okay, that's yeah. my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah, that was that scene, that, the, again, that same exact shot popped out to me. I was like, oh, this is, this is Spielberg for sure. Because right, the right. way he's, because it is a very sweet and touching moment. And yeah. there, I had there, a favorite sequence, which, cause, um, uh, Maggie goes, uh, you're old. And, she, and, and, Maggie, and Maggie goes, this is true. This uh, is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, not. it's so good. It's so great. And I think Spielberg has this way of working with kids. I think in all of his films, like, I mean, obviously that's something he does so well is he makes movies that parents and kids can go see together, right? That, that are going to speak to what a child is experiencing in the moment and what a parent has experienced in their lifetime before. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's just this kind of like, there's just this beautiful innocence that scene and the way that Spielberg was able to allow Maggie 
Maggie to just like really be a child and like yeah. really just like and be kind of inquisitive and like say things and like you know like I loved I loved that and I yeah. I think that's what it felt authentic it did. you know what I mean it felt genuine it felt like a real moment all children except one grow up now you know where fairies come from don't you Maggie when the first baby laughed for the first time, the laugh broke into a thousand pieces and they all went skipping about. That was the beginning of fairies. And look. I'm Wendy. I was a long time ago. But Jack says you're not the really real Wendy. Ah, well, you see, you see where Jack is? Hmm? Well, that is the same window, and this is the same room where we made up bedtime stories about Peter and Neverland and scary old Captain Hook. And do you know, Mr. Barry was Sir James, our neighbour. He loved our stories so much that he wrote them all down in a book. Oh, dear me, 80 years ago. You're really old. That's very true. I think the entrances of most of the characters in this film are pretty pretty damn good yeah because it's so it's that one with with wendy when she comes down the stairs i think the hook entrance is phenomenal when it's like the pirates are kind of building it up and like you yeah. see you see the hook first and it's yes, just like moving yes. back and forth it's a perfect entrance for a villain speaking of the hooks I loved, how, did you notice that prior to Hook entering, there were hooks all throughout, like in small, like there was a latch on the window yep. that was like in the shape of a hook. I, I loved all those tiny details that felt like, I mean, it, I think it made his entrance that much more powerful because it was yep. almost like for that foreshadowing and that like uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, I loved well, the, and that. Then, and then that. you have the scene, which I also think is good. It's the, um when they come home, after the uh, orphanage uh, banquet, and yes. I think it's a great scene when, like, when they show up and it's a shot through the glass showing that someone's come in, and then you see the hook that's just like gone to the entire wall up the stairs. Yeah, and absolutely. En- and then it ends on the the uh, the letter saying, "Dear Peter, I have your kids." Basically, right? But it's a, it's a really kind of. I mean, it. I think like as a kid, it kind of terrified me because it's, it goes, oh, yeah. it, it goes to, uh, um, oh gosh, Liza. I think it's the, it's the, it's the maid. The, the, the maid. Yeah, I yeah. was just about to say yeah. her performance in that she's scene. Like, the children were she screaming. She sold it. The children were screaming. Yeah, like, they're screaming. You know, like, and I was like, oh my God, this is an actual horror yeah, yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm terrified yeah, right now. Yeah. It is. It's just like, it, it's just, and it's like, you, and it's a great, like, cause you, again, you had the hook, you had the letter and it's the slow, like, it's the shot of uh, the door slowly opens and you see Wendy looking at the letter with the with the knife yeah. stabbed into it. Everything in that first act to me, I think you can yeah. chop off a couple minutes in that first act, especially like when they're like where they're in like L.A. or wherever they're at at the beginning of the movie when they're not in London. Right. Um, right. But all the London sequences are great are all the London yeah. scenes I think are pretty pretty good. I also really love um I have to give a shout out to Caroline Goodall who plays uh Moira. Moira, yeah. Moira, yeah, Moira. Um and she so first of all also she plays Helen Thermopolis in 
Princess Diaries. She plays Mia Thermopolis' mom, which, as you know, is my favorite movie ever. So, like, also, I did not know that she was an English actress before this. <laughs> I was like, wait, is she? Like, I had no idea. So I, like, Googled her. Um, but, yeah, so her, like, when she first walks into the house, too, and she's, like, looking at all the things and she's just so excited and, like, all that, I think that's also a really cool moment because I, I like, yes. I, there's this moment where Peter says what's gotten into you? And she's like, this house, this house house has gotten into me. And I, I love that because I think that that's such an important, like place is such an important thing. Like in that, in, in bringing back that like childhood moment, because I think back to my own childhood home and like how it would feel if I were running the halls of my childhood home again, or like that experience of, you know, seeing all this stuff from your past and, and having that moment. And so I thought it was a really kind of like beautiful way to like tie in the overall theme kind of of this movie with like this very like grounded like dialogue and an action in that first like kind of sequence when they're in the house so i loved that too yeah it sets up the hi- the whole idea of like where you're from and like the roots that you've laid somewhere else and so it's like right. it's setting up when peter's gonna go back to neverland right and, like, and then, how, how it brings the child out of him right and it very much foreshadows into one of my other favorite scenes which is when peter is remembering when he's in neverland and he's like kind of exploring the space and he's like what happened here and tink is like you know he's in the tree house and and tink is like oh hook burned it when you like and like his emotion in that scene like it it's so subdued to compare like comparatively to like Caroline like Mora's kind of emotions in that that scene but it it, but it does kind of like it has that moment of like parallel that there's like almost this like two there's like this dichotomy between like as a child you're like so excited and you're so like yay I I, like I love my childhood home but then also like there are moments that were sad here that were hard here that were kind of somber and so like I loved kind of the these two scenes kind of up next to each other, the scene later in the movie where, where Peter is coming to his himself and, and kind of remembering his childhood. And here's Mora who had essentially like just a really great, wonderful, loving like childhood. And this difference between this orphan who kind of had to create that for himself and this kid who has, who has it, you know, it was just an interesting. No, I didn't think about that. Just how, cause he is basically touring his childhood home when he goes to the treehouse, And it's this like, it's these forgotten memories. And again, it's again, talking about how it's like, everything's coming back to her when she goes to the house that for Peter, everything quickly comes back to him when he steps into that house. It's a very interesting thing. Again, how you're saying about place and how like you can step into a place and all these memories you kind of forgot about rush toward you in the moment. And I think it is one of, one of uh, Robin's best scenes is that specific scene. I think it's one of Julia Roberts's best scenes. I agree too. with you. Like, yeah. I agree with you. Wendy. This is Wendy's house. That's what Sundips built it for. I remember. Wendy used to sit in that chair. Yes. But it wasn't there. It was here. We used to sit here while she darned socks and tell us stories. She slept here. Tink, your apartment was right here. Yes. Little Michael had his basket bed right here. John. 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 Daddy. My daddy. 
Mother used to put him in the pram to keep me company. I remember my mother. I remember her. I love that Hook is just so petty in this movie. Like he's a very yeah. petty person. My <laughs> he one, really is. My favorite part is when it goes, he's just like, who doubted me? Who? Yeah. And he's like, you. Yeah. And he just like, it's some <laughs> random pirate. Yeah. Then <laughs> I'm like, what does that and guy have like, to do with you? Like nothing. Like he had absolutely. And I love like the the pirates in general. Like there's a line where the Lost Boys like was, or someone said something where like all of the adults are pirates or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I loved that. Like I loved it in this scene. We immediately recognize that like Hook is going to be absolutely silly. Yeah. And ridiculous and kind of like a character. Yeah. And, and he's supposed to be the adult in the situation. And I think they did that so wonderfully with that. Like it was such a like. Like Dustin Hoffman played it with such sincerity of like yeah. who are like yeah who are you like what you doubted me blah 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 or whatever and, and, yeah, but it's, like yeah it's like he didn't believe that I could like capture put Pan's kids and all yeah this. I'm like who cares <laughs> right it, but it sounds like such like kids on a schoolyard yeah, it like is. right side thing do you know who that pirate was that he puts in the boombox no the boo the boo box the boo box sorry I thought it was a boombox but you know who that pirate is that doubted him who what if I told you it was a, it was an actress. Was it really? It was Glenn Close. Was it seriously? It was. You are lying right now. That is not Glenn Close. That's Glenn Close. Okay, so when I meet Glenn Close one day, I'm going to look at her and be like, I loved you and Hook as the pirate in the boo box. Yeah. Yeah, that's (laughs) That's the boo box pirate. If you notice, she doesn't say many lines. Um, It's just kind of like grunts and like, no, no. It's just she's saying that. But I think she says one line earlier. Oh, when when you know it's Glenn Close, you sort of hear it. When she has like this one line after he says, you doubted me. That is fantastic. (laughs) Finally, I'm going to kill Peter Pan, that cocky boy who cut off my hand and fed it to the crocodile. And who killed that cunning crocodile? Who stuffed him? Who made him into a quiet clock? Who went into the other world and stole Pan's children? And who didn't believe I could do it? Who doubted me? Who amongst us is not long? Someone here does not belong. Stranger amongst the loyal, I will weed you out. You! You! Yes. Where's the coppers, me? Oh, sorry, sir. You! You! That's right, you! No, not you. Not you. 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 You bet against me bringing Pan back here, didn't you? No. Ah. Tell your captain the truth. Oh, say it. Say it. I did. Yes, you made a boo-boo. I did. Mm. The boo box. Another one of my favorite scenes is when he meets the Lost Boys. Oh yeah, I wrote that down. And the yeah. lo- and when and when it's like and when Rufio's just like, which I also love Rufio's entrance as well. Oh my Again, god! Again, all great yeah, entrances so great. all throughout. But no, yeah. So the scene when when he's like cross the line, if you believe like this is Peter Pan or whatever. Right, right, and right. And the one kid stays and starts like smushing Peter's His face. face, and he goes. Oh, there you are, Peter. Oh, my 
God, and, in your whole heart, and I just, was like, just like out of you. I was like, and then John Williams just doubles down on the score. Yeah. And it's, I actually got teary eyed because it's like, because yeah, it's yeah. the idea of like, well, it's also like, I think um, they talked, I think this is a line in a, a Del Toro Shape of Water. Richard Jenkins talks about how like, uh, when I look into my eyes, I see the young person I was, but I don't know who this guy is. I'm staring back at, and it's like uh, bas- yeah, it's basically how like and like and and P- and Robin Williams' eyes, but in Peter's eyes, Peter right. Banning, you see Peter Pan. Yeah, when yeah. He just he's like moving everything around. Like, oh, there you are. Yeah. There, it's in your eyes. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was just a beautiful, again, beautiful moment of like when they realize it is Peter, but he himself still doesn't believe it. I also, I really love this moment too, because I think that they chose like this little kid, like he doesn't really show up like really again. Like, I mean, he's there, but he's not, he's not like a huge, you know, thud really kind of becomes the like one lost boy and, and Rufio that we like really get to know. Right. Like, um, but I think that I really loved that, that they chose like his little voice and his tiny hands. And like, it was just such a perfect like casting that I thought, you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't even know that actor's name. I don't know. I don't even know his character's name. Yeah, yeah. And yet he delivered probably one of, in my opinion, I actually wrote this down as this was the most heartfelt moment in the movie to me. Like this was like kind of, you know, this idea that as we get older, um, and actually, so reading the book, mm-hmm. the major themes of the book are are innocence or that loss of innocence and that, you know, um, that feeling of, of, uh, of childhood. Oh, there you are, Peter. I got pen sword on the pen now. You think this guy's gonna take it from me? Rufio? Wait! If Tink believes, maybe he is. Are you gonna follow this drooler against Capitan Hook? What's he doing here if he's not Peter Pan, huh? He don't look happy here. And who them kids who's got? Give them a chance! Those are my kids. And Hook is gonna kill them unless we do something. Help me. Please? Yeah, come on, give them a chance! I think any moment where Peter or someone else recognizes Peter as Peter Pan is a pretty beautiful moment, like in this this movie. Like, I definitely think like there's this really cool moment where like when Rufio and th- see this is my problem with Jack and I don't want to get into it right now but oh Rufio's but death when Rufio no oh, yeah. I can't well we'll talk about that <laughs> but like when Rufio says you are the pan yeah and then he like he crows yeah. that for me was like a really good moment like yeah. that felt like like to to me and I think that's my problem with the kid who plays Jack and just like Jack in general like mm-hmm. I just don't think he delivered that emotional like father son like kind of moment like I feel like 
I feel like Peter had a better relationship with Rufio by the end of the movie than he like did. And so like, I loved that character development of this like very like moment of like, I respect you. Like, I'm not like, I'm not just teaching you. I'm not just like, you know, like we are now equals and, and, and I am honored to be with you. And I think that that line, the, the, you are the pan. God, that was like, (laughs) that was a good moment. And then when, and, and then think about the moment when Jack is like, yeah, my dad is Peter Pan or whatever. And I was just like, like it held no weight. Like John Williams was trying so hard to like make that a moment. It just like, it was not. You are the Pan. Let's move on to onset life. Filming began on February 19th, 1991, but instead of London, like they initially planned, Hook was now being filmed at the Sony Pictures lot, or what used to be the MGM studio lot in Culver City, California. The filming took up nine sound stages, many of which were the sound, many of which were the sound stages for the 1939 film, The Wizard of Oz. So very interesting. Interesting. I think they shot. I think it was maybe the Jolly Roger set was built in the middle of where Emerald City was built is what it was. Wow. This was actually again, I said this was actually part of the marketing. Uh, Spielberg would bring on Broadway set designer John Napier to act as a visual consultant on the film after Spielberg saw his work on Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats on Broadway. Wow. OK. So that's that's why it has this musical kind of. Set undertone vibe. yeah 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 um because the film was such a big production one of the biggest in hollywood at the time and possibly ever at that moment many stars would visit the set to see all the neverland sets that have been built uh stars like bruce willis billy crystal warren Beatty, demi moore tom cruise would be goldberg mel gibson penny marshall wow. and prince would all visit the set to see what was happening on hook the filming was initially going to take place for 76 days on a $48 million budget. However, the production went over 40 days, basically means it was around 116 days total is what it ended up being. And the final tally for the budget, I've heard anywhere between 60 million to 100 million (laughs) is what the budget ended up becoming. So it either went from going up about 20 million to doubling. Interesting. Uh, I've heard Spielberg would later say, it was my. It was all my fault. I began working at a slower pace than I usually do. But yeah. So aftermath. Um, the film was released on December nineteenth, nineteen ninety one, which is a, which feels like a pretty fast turnaround. If they started shooting in February, and probably didn't wrap until like April or May, for a film of this kind of caliber and how much visual effects they did, that feels like a short. Like they were probably editing and doing stuff up to the yeah, yeah, yeah. up to the like the deadline. Up to the deadline, yeah, up to the day where they're like, oh god, we have deliverables due right now in an hour. December eleventh is what it was. Um, actually, um, but yeah, so it would open at number one at the box office and stay at that position for about a month. But it was met with a pretty mixed to negative critical reception. Many critics felt the structure was all over the place. Uh, it was slow, specifically the second act. 
It took too long for Peter to become Peter Pan, and the film didn't live up to its wonderful premise. Yeah. But there was praise for the sets, the performances, and uh, John Williams' score. The film would go on to gross $300 million worldwide, becoming the fourth highest grossing movie of that year worldwide. Uh, However, this would be considered somewhat of a disappointment because of how much the film went over budget. And I believe because of the deals that Spielberg, Williams, and Hoffman had in place, they got a percentage of the gross, which which meant that the, um, let's see, what was it? Yeah, Spielberg's and Williams did not take salaries for the film. Their deal called them to split 40% of the gross revenues. Uh, They were to receive $20 million from the first $50 million in gross with TriStar keeping the next $70 million in rentals before the three resumed receiving resumed receiving their percentage. So Wow. That was a well-structured <laughs> was deal. A deal. <laughs> but yeah, so the movie was, though, overshadowed by another movie that was released a few weeks earlier around Thanksgiving, and that was Disney's Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> the film, however, would be nominated for five Academy Awards, which were Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, Best Visual Effects, Best makeup and best original song for Maggie's uh, When You're Alone. Um, it would lose all of them. Uh, Hoffman, yeah, Hop, yeah. Hoffman would receive a nomination for best actor in a musical comedy at the Golden Globes, but he would lose to his co-star Robin Williams for his performance in The Fisher King uh, that same year. John Williams would receive a Grammy nomination for his score, even though he did not receive an Oscar nomination for the score. And then Julia Roberts would receive a Worst Actress nomination at the Golden Raspberries that year. Really? Yeah. I don't think she was that bad. I don't think she was that bad either. I think, I think. I mean, I don't think it was, I don't think the part, I I mean, I've already said, I don't think this was, I mean, we're about to hit into like what did not work. So we need to save this. You can save it. Okay. I have some comments. Even though the film has gained a cult following, specifically within the millennial generation, the film has was is still met with a mixed reception. Uh, Spielberg even says it is one of the few movies he has felt he got wrong, as I stated earlier. Uh, most recently in 2018 in Empire Magazine, he said, I felt like a fish out of water making Hook. I didn't have confidence in the script. I had confidence in the first act, and I had confidence in the epilogue. I didn't have confidence in the body of it. Uh, yeah well that's apparent he added i didn't (laughs) that was probably some that was a good that was a good assessment of your (laughs) i didn't quite know what i was doing i tried to paint over my insecurity with production value the more insecure Mm. i felt about it the bigger and more colorful the sets became (gasps) that makes i'm so glad i see here i was thinking i was going to disagree with steven spielberg but i am and I'm in. That's my review of this movie. Yeah, no, it is. Like, he, he, <laughs> like yeah, he's he's yeah, he, he, he nails he it. nails it. He, I mean, that shows that he kind of knows his movies. Like, yeah, I messed up on that one. Uh, here's yeah. how I messed up. Well, I think you mentioned that this was like a it's like a cult following, especially amongst millennials. Yeah, and I would like to for a moment. Yeah, I was going to ask why. Why do you think people are more are like gravitated to this film that are like in that generation or in our generation? Well, I think. I think there's this like weird kind of like anything that came out in the nineties has to be great (laughs) type of weird thing happening. And I just like, I don't think that's true. I also like, I mean, I thought it was really interesting, like baseball because sports movies were like such a huge thing, like in the nineties and early two thousands even. And like, I think about, you know, I think about that, that, that scene where like Jack is playing baseball. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like in Neverland, and I'm just like, what? Well, how did we get here? Why are we here? You know, like it felt like it felt like, oh, we're gonna try to make the Sandlot. Like it suddenly deviated. You know what I mean? And so I think, like, yeah. I think there's this kind of like weird, um, 
like there's just this weird like 90s kind of eh, yeah i just like not all 90s movies are made equal <laughs> and, <laughs> not created equally and I, I like i think that i think that I think Rufio, I think this, this, I think what happens is like, there's, because I actually have noticed it's not really so much like people don't really cosplay like at, like at all these things. They don't really cosplay as like Peter Pan, like Robin Williams. They don't cosplay as like Dustin Hoffman's hook. They really, they, they, they cosplay as Rufio. Like, I really think that what we're picking up on is more of a excitement about like Dante Bosco's and he's you know he has this kind of like this energy and this charisma and his style yeah. like it's so like 90s and stuff like that and I think that is more what people gravitated towards was like his performance more so than I think they do like the movie as a whole um because I think like Rufio is like this skater kid and he's I like mean, yeah, so cool fair. and like so I think like for me that's what I see is like Don Dante Bosco like really just I mean, he completely, he completely nailed it, in my opinion. And I think that's where that comes from. And he is like, he is like the one like original character kind of, of the movie that like people have latched onto. Like, it's like Peter Pan is from, yeah. a, like, it's from a different story. Hook is from a different story. Uh, Rufio. Like he's the authentic. Yeah, he is like specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the dude who replaced Pan. That's what this character right, 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 is. Right, right. Like, this is the guy. Yeah, absolutely. But like, he's a badass. Essentially is what it is. Yeah. Is that like. Because you got to put into perspective is that he, I mean, that's the thing is that he becomes, he is, essentially is Pan for a moment, but he's the 90s version of Pan. And yeah. like with the, with his eyeliner when he's fighting Hook and the whole like spikes and stuff that he has. And he's like, he, he's got like, he almost like hits that like goth kind of like, you know, so I think like there's this also because I remember when I was like in middle school and high, like early high school, like goth was like a super, like that was kind of a thing, right? Yeah, like yeah. in the early thousands, I guess, or early two thousands. And I feel like Rufio was almost like ahead of his time in that regard. He, well, not he, to say, say that like grunge and like that didn't exist before, but it became like, I feel like very mainstream. Maybe it's just because that's when I was well, like yeah, coming I, I, of he, age. Yeah, I don't he's know. Like a, but, he's like a punk rock kid. Like yeah, you say he's a, but he's like a punk yeah, rock He's a punk kid. rock yeah. skater kid. Which I think is just, it's very, like, if you were, which, I mean, obviously, I was born in 1991, so this is, like, dating me clearly, because I, I'm i aware that, like, punk rock existed yeah. before 1991, or before the early yeah. 2000s, I should say. But I do think that, like, he kind of, he spoke into that in a way that I think that's what 90s kids, like, really relate to. But yeah, let's move on to what worked. So what worked about this movie? Um, well, I think all the things we've already talked about, like, I think they're the, like, they're moments of nostalgia that really work. Um, I think Maggie, the actress, like, totally works. The little girl who plays Maggie, to me, I think she works. Okay. Um, uh, I, you obviously disagree, I have a con- well, but that's I, fine. I, I don't think she's bad. I think she gets, I mean, I'll say this real quick. I think she kind of gets forgotten in act two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 for sure. Like, well, I should say the casting. I think the cast is is like really well done. Yeah, like the casting is done really well. Um, I, I think with the exception of Jack, I just wow, I really do not like that kid. I feel really bad. I'm gonna Charlie, but I just like I. What's his name? What's his name? Charlie Corsmo. What else has he been in? Uh, uh, Charlie Corsmo was in. uh, He was in Dick Tracy as the kid. He was. He was in. I mean, the big thing you might remember him from. Uh, he was in Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, okay, no. He wasn't. He wasn't in I much just, movies. He he actually like quit. I'll just. He quit acting. That's after, probably. He quit, act, he, that's prob- he quit acting after '98 and became like a lawyer and like in politics and stuff. So. 
yeah, that that that's probably for the best. I just I I really didn't think that he was great, but I do think that um, but I do think the casting, the casting like really worked for this movie. The first act of this movie like really worked. Um, I think that for me, that's about all that worked. How do you feel about the sets? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, great. Glad you brought that up. Yes, I love them. I actually do think the production design was incredible on this movie. Um, I get really emotional. Like I remember, like when I went to see Mary Poppins Returns. Um, like I got like, like literally emotional just at the scenery, you know, and the spacing. Yeah. And I Hook had some of that for me too. Of like, it felt like. I was transported to these spaces and in this time. And I, I really, I really did love that. So uh, yeah, that's definitely something that worked. I think the costumes for the most part worked. Okay. Um, yeah. I also like, there were, yeah, that I, I'll leave it there. Okay. That's what I'll say. What did you think worked no, I, about I, this movie? I wrote, I wrote the score. I wrote the cast. I wrote the sets. Um, yeah. Score definitely worked. Uh, I think act one, I think act one mostly works and, and the ending works well. That's kind of it. Um, bullet. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's move into did anything not work? Um, yes. What do you have? Okay. First of all, there are just uh, I just well, we already know how I feel about the Charlie. Well, let me ask Jack, you. Let Jack. me ask you about a specific scene because there's one thing that bothers okay. me. Okay. Okay. Oh, I really hope it's the same one that I didn't like. Yeah. Go is, ahead. Is it when Julia Roberts becomes human? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I want to take the scene and just like throw it into the lagoon and oh, it's terrible. It was, uh, it's awful. It's so terrible. So yeah, I like, first of all, it doesn't make sense. Second of all, there's no need for it. Third of all, it completely took me out of Neverland. Also, she calls him a silly ass at the end of the, like the, she's like, go on, you silly she ass. She does say that. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is this writing? What is happening right now? Like, this is why, like, I struggle so much. I, I said earlier, like, I don't think Tink is a fully fledged, like, fully formed, like, female character. This is a huge part of that, like, of that for me. I think that she had the power to be the and 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 for what it's worth, for the majority of the movie, I thought that Tink kind of saves it in some places. Like I agree. Julia Roberts had this like perfect, like, you know, in the animated movie, Tink is so sassy and so mean and just like almost like I'm gonna the internet will hate me for saying this, but she's almost unlikable. She's so like, you know, kind of like jealous and catty and terrible. But like then like you have Julia Roberts who plays her with such like there's a sweetness to her and a sincerity in this like she wants to help and like and so that's all good and then at the very end we're like I'm in love with you like yeah it, it <laughs> this is the first time I was like this comes out left field like I, I yeah here's the thing, I get why the scene is there because there's a few things that I have wrong with the scene um I the scene is there because like it's it, you need a little bit of like a lull before you hop into the uh the big fight scene on the ship. Cause it, it goes from like him finding yeah. out he's Peter Pan celebrating with the lost boys. Then it goes to this scene. Then it goes to the fight. So what's really interesting is right before I wrote down about this scene was um, prior to that, like I, actually, no, it's the same scene, but it's just how it starts of like Peter being like, 
don't we have so many fun adventures together and like being like all like a kid again and like so excited and whatever. And, um, and I actually was like, that's really weird to me that he just like completely forgets his children. Yeah. Like I, I felt like it was an unnecessary, was like, yeah. it's like, it, it like takes us like, it, it's a deviation that doesn't need to exist. Yeah. Like it's a, it, like we have this moment where like Rufio just said like, you are pan. And like, there's this beautiful moment. And like, we want him to like run off and like go save his children. And I think like, this scene just completely like i feel like a it was like out of character for peter like maybe not out of character but out of um what's the word i'm looking for it was just like it doesn't make logical it, sense to me it doesn't make logical sense right like i just like i'm like why did he just completely that forget was my that thing he, it's like he went he went know, from like, like his his happy thought being he was a father Right. And then he's Peter Pan, but then he's forgotten all about his happy thought, essentially. Right. So it, did, exactly. it didn't make sense. Like, I feel like it's one, if you did it where it's like you got 15 to 20 minutes, or maybe the second half of Act Two, is he's forgotten about his family and then he remembers them. Right. That would like, be better. He hears, well, even with like the run home Jack, right? Like what, like if, if, if they, he'd been in the middle of a fight and then he heard someone say like run home Jack or like some sort of calling to his kid. Sure. But we don't, we don't see that. It, it feels unnecessary. You know, I just, yeah, no, I, it was a yeah, terrible scene. I agree. But yeah, the, it was, it was the, I, I said, I get why it's there in terms of like pacing, but just felt like complete. Oh, we need to have a scene here. Oh, what if Tinkerbell says uh, she loves him? <laughs> and yeah, and I get like this idea of like, okay, play with it as Tinkerbell has been in Neverland the entire time and Peter has left her, but don't do right, don't right. do it as a oh, I've always loved you type thing because it's never like referenced anywhere yeah, else in the movie. Like, it feels like it just like it never. There was no build up to that. Yeah. Like I just did not feel. And of course, like I think that again, like. Oh man, we could do an entire podcast on the portrayal of women in early animated Disney movies, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like we could do a whole thing about like how this is, but I also just feel like it's completely out of character. Like it had like even beyond the like weird, like two-dimensional female character thing, like it's just also like terrible from a story perspective, you know? I thought a really cool scene, cause I was thinking like, okay, there does need to be, cause I agreed with you. I think that there needs to be, there needs to be a scene here between like, okay, I've realized I'm pan and then I'm going into fight. Um, I, I, I would like to compare this to another 90s movie that is super popular. Do you remember in Lion King when Simba's like running through the grasslands uh -huh. and then he like arrives and there's like that big and there's this like very like there's slow moments right before the big fight. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I felt like we needed that piece. Right. We needed that kind of there needed to be something to because I think what happened was I think every scene that followed until pretty much the last scene fell flat. Like even the big fight scene fell flat because of this scene, yeah. like the buildup wasn't there, you know, like the so I wish that we had seen like. Uh, Peter and the Lost Boys like making a plan of how they yeah, were going to like enter the ship or yeah. you know something. You need some sort but... of preparation scene, and not even just like a whole like let's do a plan. It could be just like a some. I mean, it could be a tink a tinker Tinkerbell scene with him where it's like I have to go and save my kids. It's like that's the right. that's the whole like I guess purpose for that scene is for him to say I have to save my kids. And I right, feel like right. you can do that in just a different scene where he is like, it's the night before. And it's like, I have to do this. 
and like if it's Ru- maybe it's like him and Rufio discussing it of like I need yeah, you yeah it's just something I need everybody with me I don't know what but yeah it's something something's missing there you know I I, I just it really just does not work yeah yeah but it just doesn't uh, work. I said I think that I think it runs too long as I said before I think certain scenes need to be trimmed. It's too long to get Neverland and too long for him to become Peter Pan. First of all, the representation in this movie is trash. Uh, (laughs) Like, I mean, it is absolutely true. I mean, like, yes, we have the Lost Boys who are, uh, you know, most of them are uh, people of color. It's a diverse group of characters. But like, it's just like, yes, but that's the only real representation we have in this movie. The female characters fall flat, like... It's like even even we're even gonna and also I want to talk about the weird sexualization of like Granny Wendy in that scene where she's like yeah I, Peter I, I have expected you to come in and like stop my wedding day or whatever like really and there are some other moments like for me that like really like obviously that frustrates me just like from a modern perspective of like things that I think should be changed I think if this movie was made now I think it would be really important that we would see better representation in these characters especially in the in the movie's heroes um but yeah i but also one thing uh so moving on from that piece but also in this in a similar vein i think there were a lot of like sexual jokes that like absolutely would not get put into a movie if this were made today and then there's like the mermaid kiss scene i was gonna bring the mermaid the mermaid mermaid scene does it like it's like that felt like yo there are mermaids in the original movie uh, original story we gotta throw some mermaids in here Let's have Correct. let's have like, them make out with Robin Williams underwater. That's yeah, like oh, I'm gonna like it was. So but they're weird. saving so him. So freaking weird. So and, and and going off that scene real quick too. What bothers me about that? This movie feel and I'll say this later in fil- in film facts. But this movie feels like it's missing scenes, even though it is two and a half hours long. Because yes, agree, I totally because agree. Because specifically yeah. that scene is that. Peter is at the Jolly Roger at Hook's, at Hook's uh, ship and he gets thrown overboard and that's the mermaids save him. Right before that, right, it's right. Tinkerbell going, Peter yelling for him as he falls right. in. It cuts to him making out with the mermaids underwater and then it's him arriving at the Lost Boys hut right. and Tinkerbell's asleep. And I was like, yeah, was what like- happened here? <laughs> doesn't even make sense and i I, like i remember like when we were when when i was watching it like i remember like sitting there i remember this happened yesterday but like (laughs) i remember like i'm sitting there i remember but i was like sitting there on my couch and i was like maybe like i was trying i was like maybe this is going somewhere like maybe this like fits into the plot like there will be something here that will make no no it was just weird that's all it was (laughs) oh dear me i did it Look what happened. You broke your house. You're humongous. This is the only wish I ever wished for myself. Oh, Peter, this is the biggest feeling I've ever, ever felt. This is the biggest feeling I've ever had, and this is the first time I've been big enough to have it. Peter, I want to give you a kiss.
I have a plan. Tink, come on, you gotta come. When it's all over, you'll leave and never come back again. Well, what are you staring at, Peter? Saved? Go save. You silly ass, go. All right, alternate universe cast. So people who are rumored or possibly considered for uh, the roles in the movie. In mid-1980s, and for a couple times throughout when the project was being developed, Michael Jackson lobbied hard to play the role of Peter Pan. Some say he was heavily considered while some sources... Are you serious? While some sources say Spielberg was never interested in Jackson playing the role. So it's, That would be very interesting. It would have been like... But that was when it was like supposed to be a musical. It was that Peter Pan was going to be... Oh, there okay. Was room. okay. Spielberg says... Some people have said Spielberg never thought about Jackson. Some say he did. Um, but yeah, two other names that were considered for the role of Peter Pan, Kevin Klein and Tom Hanks. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Tom Hanks is on my remake list. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm okay. Uh, with that. Captain Hook, uh, Donald Sutherland was rumored for the role and allegedly David Bowie turned down the role of Hook. What? Yeah. Which weird. Okay. Now that I feel like, I feel like that. I feel strongly about that more than I do Prince playing uh, Michael Jackson. I'm sorry, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson playing uh, Peter. I feel like David Bowie playing Prince. I play my God playing Hook. <laughs> David Bowie playing Hook would have been amazing. I do there, like. Yeah, I there is a really world where like it's that. Michael, which is also questionable, but Michael Jackson as as, as Peter Pan, David Bowie as Hook, and it's a musical. <laughs> Hold on. Uh-huh. That I love. That I'm like, <laughs> like if if David Bowie is Hook. And Michael Jackson is Peter. Yes. If Michael Jackson is Peter and Dustin Hoffman is Hook, doesn't no. Work, yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't work. Like David Bowie and Robin Williams, like that doesn't work. But the combination would have been amazing. It would have been, been weird. It would have been interesting. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been different. Um, I would say. Yeah. Weirdly, Bowie. I'm finding out with the show that Bowie has turned down a lot of roles, or allegedly turned down a lot of roles, because he was also up for a role in Batman Returns as Christopher Walken's character, but turned it down. Tinkerbell. Winona Ryder was considered. This is so great. I cannot. This is incredible. Yeah, go ahead. was considered. uh, And then allegedly when they were were possibly going to replace Julia Roberts or were considered at some point in the process, Meg Ryan as Tinkerbell and Michelle Pfeiffer as Tinkerbell. I could see see Meg Ryan as as Tinkerbell. I could too. I could too. Um, Okay. Jack. Joseph Mazzello auditioned for the role, but Spielberg decided against him but he would later cast him as the young kid in jurassic park i was just about to say who is that yeah, i don't yeah, know I was who that is, but okay yeah, he was he was, ended up being the young kid in jurassic park that is being chased by raptors or he's the he's he's, he's richard attenborough's grandson in jurassic park uh so the undisclosed role so this person auditioned for it um i don't know if he auditioned for jack or if he auditioned for rufio some people i've, I've heard you know this this character this person uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. What? Um, for Jack or Rufio. Hmm. The, the, it's, it's, I've heard he was auditioned for Jack, but I've also heard he was too old, so he auditioned for Rufio. Yeah. Um, they should, I'm glad they didn't go with either of those. <laughs> but I think that's because Dante Bosco, like, kills yeah. it. Like, he, he is Rufio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't see that. I can't see that at all. I think he would have been, like, 16 if he was playing, uh, at that time yeah i was just about to say so, is he that much younger i mean i know he is younger than robin williams for sure but like i didn't know that he was 
Enough to where Robin Williams could play like a a thirty late thirty, late 30 early thirties yeah, yeah. late thirties I mean, you know yeah. dad to him yeah. yeah it went tough uh so film facts real quick we'll go through these before we get to our last questions the film allegedly ran over three hours at its initial cut possibly into the four hour mark <laughs> Jesus Christ allegedly I, I think I think as I've heard at least forty scenes were cut from the film including scenes that developed more of the Lost Boys characters. Peter's importance to the Lost Boys and how they felt after he left, more scenes with Hook becoming Jack's father figure, and scenes with Maggie. Interesting. Scenes with Maggie where she essentially becomes a Wendy character to the other kids that Hook is holding captive on the ship. Oh, I would have liked you, to see that. When, I would have liked to see that. When they rescue Maggie, because I thought about this, I was like, there's a lot of kids there just like in like in there with her that's why she's yeah, singing yeah. that's why she's singing to them on the ship but essentially she becomes this like mother figure to um those kids but it's like it's yeah. a lot of different stuff of just like more like more stuff that could have fleshed out act two but would have made it so much longer right yeah yeah, yeah. i definitely think that they I don't know if it was just because it was so much money that they had sunk into the scene. They couldn't erase it. But the baseball scene, if they had just like shortened that yep, scene yep, or like gotten yep. rid of that scene, they could have added in so many other like, I think, smaller moments that would have really helped. We, but we, yeah, yeah, we don't need to see Smee's wind up every time he's like throwing the ball. But I also think the movie is still too long. So if they had cut that out, like I don't, it's, I don't know if know. I could see a four-hour like version of this movie. I don't know if that's... yeah, I wouldn't have enjoyed a four-hour yeah. movie. Of this Maybe version. if you yeah. break it up as like a TV show, <laughs> yeah, like like one hour <laughs> one, one hour episodes of the TV no, show. Uh-uh. because they tried to do that on Once Upon a Time and it did, it did not. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, I, it did, well, that's a whole different episode. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so more stuff. Uh, Maggie Smith was fifty six when they shot the film, and they used yeah. they used makeup to to age her up to what Maggie Smith looks like now. Uh, I'm kidding. She's ninety. <laughs> no, but that's kind of true. That is true. She, yeah, she's ninety. She's eighty five in real life. So she plays. No, she's eighty. Well, she plays ninety two in the movie. Is what she's playing. Oh, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say she's eighty five now. So she's still younger. Like today, she is still younger than the woman she played when she was like in her fifties. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's yeah, go ahead. Okay, so here's some Carrie Fisher uh, stuff with this movie. Uh, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher was the prototype for Tinker Bell. That was kind of interesting. Uh, also. Interesting. She did an uncredited rewrite of the script, mainly Carrie Fisher Carrie did. Carrie Fisher did because she was a, she was a pretty famous script doctor in like the eighties and nineties. Oh yeah, she was brought on to do a rewrite of the script, mainly focusing on Tinker Bell's dialogue. Yeah, well, Tinker Bell's dialogue didn't suck, to be honest. Uh, one, not all. Yeah, of it. one of the lines she allegedly added was Tinker Bell's line: "You know that place between sleep and awake, that place where you still remember dreaming. That's where I will always love you. That's where I'll be waiting." Oh, Carrie. Oh, Carrie. I think it's a good line, but it doesn't work. It's a great line only because if the scene had to exist, it's a good it's line. A good, yeah, exactly. Uh, she also cameos in the movie with George Lucas. Uh, they are the couple on the bridge that float in the air. They're like kissing when Tinkerbell is taking Peter to Neverland. Wow. So they're floating up the, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That's hilarious. Granny Wendy is holding a first edition version of Peter and Wendy when she tells Peter who he is. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. God, can you imagine being the art PA that had to track that down? <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was Gwyneth Paltrow's second film appearance ever at this moment in time. Uh, Dustin Hoffman cameos as the airline pilot over the intercom when the fam when the when Rot when the Bannings are on the plane going to London. 
You hear- oh, did you notice they were in a Pan Am? Yeah, I did. I did notice. Airplane? I loved that. I loved that. Yeah, that was hilarious. There were also cameo appearances. I said Glenn Close. Uh, David Crosby from the band Crosby, Steals and Nash as a pirate. Uh, Jimmy Buffett. And Phil Collins, who plays the investigator when that they, they talk to about the children being kidnapped at the London house. Very interesting. Wow. There are, there are six Oscar winners in this film. What a shame it did so. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Can, wow. can you guess who the six are? Yeah. Can you guess who the six are? Okay. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, Robin Williams. Yep. Okay. Are we counting cast and crew or just cast? Just, ca- just cast. Just cast. Uh, did Caroline, Maggie Smith, right? Maggie Didn't Smith. she win She's something? Won one, yes. She won because she won something for Room with a View, right? Wasn't she in Room uh, with a View? I don't think she. I think she won for. She won the Prime of Miss Jean Brody, and then okay. Cal- California Suite. So she won two. Okay. Okay. I, that's really crazy. Uh, but yeah. So all right. So we've got Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Williams, Hoffman, Williams, Maggie Smith, Maggie Smith. Um, I was gonna say John Williams. <laughs> um, um, oh my God! Did the Jack kid? Did he win no, an no, Oscar? No, 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 Tell me did. no. Okay, Caroline Goodall. No. Oh, I mean, um, two, two. <laughs> I, 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 I have literally said two of these people in the film facts. Actually, uh, really, Phil Collins. Oh, right. Phil- okay, okay, okay. Phil Collins. So the people who made cameos obviously count. Uh, I, I don't know. Can you so, list so, your cameos again? So, so Phil, well, I'll just Glenn say, Close. Did Glenn Close? She's never won an Oscar. She's never won an Oscar. It's a shame. Uh, well, Gwyneth. That's Pal- a shame. Gwyneth Paltrow has won an Oscar. She had won an Oscar before. No, it's after. Like, who's won like total? Oh, total. Oh, oh. Okay, I thought this was like before they were no, in no, no, this no. movie. No, so it was, Wait. William, it was Williams Hoffman, Maggie Smith, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Phil Collins. I think won some for music, and then um, uh, Julia Roberts won for Aaron Brockovich. Okay. 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 Wow. Uh, the scene where Robin Williams passes his sword to the character named Thudbutt. Thudbutt. Who I do like in this movie and have not brought up uh, as as the lost boy to replace him. Only Williams and Spielberg knew who would get the sword. So the kids' reactions really? were completely authentic. Yeah. That is so <laughs> sweet. I love it so much. Also, I was thinking in this moment, if it goes to anybody but Thud, I will be very disappointed. And... Yeah, I didn't know where they were going, and I was really excited because I didn't remember. Like, I was like, I don't remember who. Like, yeah. yeah, that's great. Oh, I love that. They didn't know. Uh, bangerang is actually a Jamaican slang for uproar, disorder, or disturbance. So, found that out. Well, this, I like that. This one. Bangerang. Uh, and the last thing in this movie explained that Toodles lives with Wendy because Wendy didn't want to, didn't have the heart to put him in the home. In the original draft. Uh, Toodles and Wendy got married when they grew up. So Toodles was her husband. Toodles was yeah, her husband I didn't in an early get that. No, no, yeah, not, not, not in this movie. Not in this movie. Oh yeah. But well, like that's early... they might should have done something like that. <laughs> that might have helped me a little but with that... the whole weirdness. Story questions. Um, uh, wh- I, this is just a random thing. I was like, what is time like in Neverland? Because it's three days in Neverland, apparently in the like in the story, but like when they come home, it's the next morning in London. Like, how does time, like, work? How does time work? That's what I'm wondering. Also, like, how did, like, what happened to Peter Banning's job? Like, I'm genuinely concerned. Oh, yeah, what does he do after that? Yeah, like, Like, what does he do? What does he do? Like, Like, he's totally, like, yeah. Because also, like, like, A, like, what, like, what does he do in the first place? Because at some point he says he's an accountant, and then at some point he says he's a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. 
And I'm like, but I think, okay, to be fair, I think that Robin Williams probably impro- improvised the Freudian line in that scene with with Tink when he says, I, I miss the 60s, I'm an accountant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was probably an improv, like, maybe that was an improvised line, but it really threw me off because I was like, I thought he was a lawyer or something, or then, and then a business guy, and he yeah, like, talked to about shareholders. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it doesn't make sense of what like he does. Like it doesn't. Like yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. know. I have no clarity. Uh, that was on my what next he thing. Is like, like what? Yeah, what does he actually do? Um, how old is Pan really? Because he's probably like he's essentially probably a hundred years old. Give it like May ninety. May is as old. Oh as yeah, 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 yeah. Because well, it depends. I guess on what you like, what origin story you. I don't. Is there? I mean, Pan the movie was, but I don't know if there. Did Jay and Barry write an origin story for Pan? I don't. I think there was an origin of some kind, like a, in like a, okay. a sequel book. But what I'm saying is, like, in this movie, if he meets Wendy and say like 1911 or whatever, it, and like basically, yeah, 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 it's like is he is Robin Williams playing a hundred year old man? Is what I'm saying. Right. Like, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But he looks like he's like 30 because 40 he never years old. he never aged yeah. and never land. But it's just like, he didn't start aging until he came to the real world. But it's just like, so is he like, like how old is he really in terms of like? Right, right, right. And then my last question: Who in the hell is Smee? Because at the end of the movie, yeah. he's a he's a, like he's like he's work. <laughs> yeah. it, it literally messes up the entire logic of like the film to me. Right. It was like, is it a dream or was it real? Yeah, it's that like, wiz- it's, the, it's that Wizard of Oz thing of just like, oh, you were there and you were there. It's like, oh, that that dude was yeah, there. Yeah. Now I will yeah. say this. There is a line early on when they're talking about when Jack's like, where's my baseball? And Maggie goes, the guy who hangs out by the window, the window washer took it. And now I'm wondering, was the guy at the end of the movie that is Bob Hoskins as, as like the, the guy who's like sweeping up, yeah. was that actually him that still like, is me like a dude who just like goes back and forth between earth and Neverland or whatever? Like, I don't know. It was just a weird, like, yeah, I think, and I think it could be for sure, because I do think that in almost every, and almost every like adaptation of this, of this story, like there is that, like the pirates come and like steal them. Like that's a part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I definitely think maybe Smee is like on earth to like steal children. Just, I don't know. Like, you know, like, <laughs> he's just out. so like, he, so he's just like hanging out at the bottom of the window. Like it's you made weird. it this time kid, but I'm going to come and steal you in the middle of the, I don't know. Like, <laughs> oh, he, He's just like a secret agent. It's like, Oh yeah. I hear, that saying, pa- I hear pants back in London. Go see what's going on. Smee. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, uh, I, I I definitely think it's I, that one did not feel as like out of place to me because in my head I justified it as like yeah he's like just scoping out other children to like steal to Neverland. That's kind of how I saw it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So awards. Um. The Beatrice Strait Award, actor actress limited scenes that kills it. Who is someone that you have for this? Okay. So, um, for me, I thought that Rashawn Hammond who plays Thud. Thud butt. Thud butt. Yep. I I I just absolutely I loved him. I loved him. And I have him too. Yeah. I think he I think he was just like such an adorable, like really wonderfully it, it, his he was genuine yeah. and and real and I just loved his performance. I thought he was great. Yeah, we didn't talk about the scene, but the scene I do like is when he is talking with Peter about the marbles about the marbles and his mother. And it's like yeah. mo- his mother is his happy thought. Oh, so I thought cute. that was sweet. Yeah. I did too. Even now, when I think of the Lost Boys outside of like Rufio, I think yeah. of like Dud Butt to this day. I remember Toodles. You do? He was lost too. How could you know Toodles? He was a lost boy. These are his marbles. 
These are his happy thoughts. <laughs> he really did lose his marbles, didn't he? Yeah, he lost them good. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, you know what? What? My happy thought will help you. What's your happy thought, Dad? Mine's my mother. Do you remember your mother, Peter? Wish I could. So the Annie Potts X Factor Award, supporting actor, actress that is the most memorable. I I actually put Dante Bosco in the supporting actor category because I felt like Dustin Hoffman was at equal billing with Robin Williams, even though, yeah. you know, like... I, I, uh, I've, I've said previously on the show is that, like, if your name is in the title... You're, you would should be considered lead. Lead, right, exactly. So for me, like as a supporting actor, I think Dante Bosco, I think that there's a reason he's so memorable. There's a reason 90s kids love him. Like he is a phenomenal, he, he, he delivered that. I, I thought he was a great actor. Like I thought he portrayed this character absolutely perfectly, exactly as he was supposed to while bringing his own flair and his own personality. And uh, yeah, I just, I really, I really thought he stole it for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, Rufio's death is like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, there's certain, it's brutal. Things, yeah, there's certain things in like, mo- like family films that like kids of say the nineties, like the deaths that like they like remember, it's like Mufasa dying in Lion King. Yeah. That's like number one. I was just Mufasa Yeah. But like Rufio is like one that still a lot of people just like, why did he have to die type thing? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it is a, it is a touching moment between, again, between him and Peter when like yeah, Peter's is, holding him when he's dying. Um, so yeah, I, again, like you said, it's like Rufio is the character that everyone tends to remember the most because it's so original for the film. Looky, looky, I got a hooky. <laughs> no! The Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie, director, actor, or whoever, any crew member, whatever you want to do. John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> John Williams. I Well, I, I did put Robin Williams, honestly. I think he outperforms Dustin Hoffman in this movie. I really do. Um, I, I mean, I, not necessarily that I think there was anything wrong with Dustin Hoffman's performance. I just think that for me, Robin Williams, there was, I, I really appreciated I mean, I've used this word multiple times. I really appreciate the sincerity with which he played the character. Yeah. But I think ultimately, I think for me, the music, I think John Williams, just like he was the one who helped motivate my emotions more so than I think any of the performances did, to be honest. That's fair. Um, I, I, but, yeah. I would argue Williams for me, John, I'm sorry, Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. John Williams, again, score is great. I, for some with Robin, I would argue just because he does a good job because he essentially is playing two roles in this movie. He's playing. He really Pe- is. Yeah. He is playing. Yeah, he he's is. playing Peter Banning and then he's playing Peter Pan. And I do think his transition is nice. I think it's the storytelling that I think kind of takes away from that transition. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that is one in terms of like post Robin Williams uh, passing uh, that this is a movie that I do think people in terms of like our generation 
you, like that this is the one they know one of the ones they know him for it's like yeah. this it's I, a it's aladdin that's few like that in the 90s for me yeah i think and, and ultimately i think i agree with you like i definitely think that the award should go to robin williams i definitely agree and i i, I love what you said about like 90s kids uh this is one of the first movies that we recognize robin williams because i mean even though he was in aladdin we only we didn't see him this is really the first time that we're putting a face with this like voice and this person that we really you know so i i definitely agree um i i was kind of joking about <laughs> i do no, think that john williams i, I do john, really like john yeah. williams and i do think he delivered a lot more emotionally for me than i think much of the acting but yeah i do think ultimately i do really appreciate what robin williams was able to do in this role and um and i think like you know it's not patch adams it's not you know but it but it is it is authentically robin williams and i love that we don't know each other and i doubt that we have very much in common except this wonderful woman wendy angela darling Granny Wendy brought me in from the cold. She taught me to read and write. She even found people to be my parents and adopt me. She's loved so many children, just so effortlessly. That's her achievement. Many of you here tonight were once lost children. But Granny Wendy found parents and homes for each of you and saved you. That's her miracle. And I know that if you could stand now, you would express much better than I have your feelings of gratitude, appreciation, and warm feelings for this wonderful woman. guess we do have something in common we're orphans all right final questions and here's the one you've been waiting for uh oh, I'm if, so excited. if this film was remade today who do you cast so it's funny that because i think you said that tom hanks you had on the that tom hanks was, was considered for peter right yes so i actually had him on my list for 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 hook that's interesting i think he would be yeah because we don't see tom hanks in a ton of like villain roles no we don't but i absolutely think he would play this because i think like what's so great about dustin hoffman's performance is that dustin hoffman doesn't see dustin hoffman never sees hook as a villain like you know what i mean yeah. I, mean, I think he does but he has sincere motivation yeah i i think tom hanks would be able to pull that off um, the other person that I have listed is Robert Downey Jr. Actually, I think that you actually, yeah. yeah, I think RDJ could pull off kind of this like silly, like, you know, ridiculous, like kind of schoolboy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so those were like two on my list, uh, that I really liked. Um, I also had a third suggestion, but I know nobody, everybody's going to be like, why? What, what's your, what's your third suggestion? Um, I said Benedict Cumberbatch. That's not bad. You hate it. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> like, I don't. I know it I don't. was like out there and a little bit weird, but the more I kept thinking about his performance as Doctor that. Strange, yeah, I don't hate that. I think he kind of like he can be like this kind of like mean, kind of like hard character that's kind of like, you know, 
angry yeah. and and rough around the edges but then he kind of has this like levity and i yeah. think like i've seen him in a lot of like behind the scenes stuff where he has like he has such a great sense of humor and like i just like so i don't know i know that might seem weird but i just i think he could pull it off no i think he, well i think i think he i mean this it's not sounds insult but he would be good at like scenery chewing like he could like yeah, yeah, he, yeah. it's 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 a it's a nice part to bite into i think he would do well at that i mean i like yeah. all i i mean i think hanks just be interesting just because it's so different for him i mean right, I, right. I, I do think actually out of my out of my favorite it's probably cumberbatch actually out of those three really yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah. good i'm glad see what i liked <laughs> see the thing i liked about tom hanks though and what i think was important about the role first of all and i should preface all of this by saying like i don't think you can recast hook like i kind of think it would like what it was was a little bit of lightning in the bottle like <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. a little lightning but still like lightning yeah you know like lightning in a bottle but i do think that you know i think dustin hoffman is such like he was a respected and like well-known actor i think tom hanks brings that same gravitas to the role and so that's where that like kind of thought came from but i also honestly like i think cumberbatch could also have that similar gravitas like that same you know weight to him yeah so no, i like it so that, that that's your hook peter who, who's your peter Okay, I thought long and hard about this one and I actually have to give a huge shout out to Adam. Um Adam is my husband. Um and he actually came up with this one and I was like that's it. Uh was Jason Bateman. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I really like Bateman. I and I texted a friend. I yeah, I texted a friend about it and I was like I'm having a really hard time with Peter. Peter was the hardest one for me to think of like could not think about it yeah. like or could not figure it out and we were like driving home literally today from getting our Christmas tree and I was like I can't think of anybody like I can't think of anyone. Um he said Jason Bateman and then there was actually someone else that we we both that said would be so good for this role uh especially if it were made like now and unfortunately he has since passed but Chadwick Boseman would be a really interesting like Peter, you know, that like kind of someone mm-hmm. who's grown up, but I could see him playing that uh the childlike wonder and excitement in those later scenes. I think he would be good at that too. And that but, would have been, yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. And I like both those because I think both those uh actors could play like the seriousness uh and the uptightness of Peter Banning. Right. But then definitely the, Jason Bateman. Yeah, but but, <laughs> but then the childlike kind of right, playfulness right. Uh, yeah. a pan so yeah i like that uh do you have anybody else do you have tinkerbell i do um i felt really strongly about my tink and then uh i then immediately was like oh but also um i really so to be very clear we're talking about tink from hook mm-hmm. not tink from other like you know versions of this story because this is a very specific tink she's a little bit nicer a little bit softer so keep that in mind before i say this um i thought brie larson would be an amazing tink i think she has kind of this like softness but she's also like very uh the word i would use is spunky i think in a really good way like i love her like like uh just the way like captain marvel like she doesn't she kicks ass she doesn't you know She's just amazing. And mm-hmm. so I think she could do Tank really, really well and play her with like a genuineness, but a, a, like kind of a a soulful kind of like childlike uh, version of Tank. And so I really liked her. But then, but then, so I had all this, like I had really worked twice. I was like, yes, Brie Larson, I'm so here for it. And then I was like, but also Cara Delevingne would be amazing. But Cara, she has, she's playing a fairy right now in her show with Orlando Bloom. 
And so I don't know if it's just like, I think she would be good at that, like, like look wise. But I also think she could portray the character of Ting. But I think she's a little bit more biting yeah. than Brie Larson. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't think that this Tink in Hook is quite as biting, which is why I yeah. land more in the Brie Larson character. I like category. Brie Larson for it. I, I think she's kind of, again, she's playing, yeah, spunky, but also this kind of, I think she could be like a tough kind of character. Because right. I, I do think that Tinkerbell is... is and irreverent. Yeah. And I, I and she can also get the comedy of it, I believe, as well. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Because she, I, uh, she was in a she did a movie called Unicorn Store that she directed, and she has this kind of like childlike innocence to her in that movie. And she was also in Community. She has like a, a small role in Community. Oh, she does. Okay, I, I didn't know. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she, I, I, I like that. Yeah, I also said that uh, Toodles should be played by Jim Broadbent. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Smee, Josh Gad, definitely Josh Gad. Um, and then Moira, I said Lily James would be a really, I think okay. she's got that, like, you know, uh, that genuine English kind of, I don't know. She seems like a Wendy to me, her personality. Okay. I liked her. Um, and then for Rufio, I said uh, Jacob Batalon. So, he is, he was born in Hawaii, he's Filipino. Um, well, Hawaii. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 the guy from Ned uh, from Spider Man. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he would probably uh, have to like get in shape, you know, because I think that was part of Rufio's character is being like very, you know, like active and like whatever. Yeah. But um, but I really like the idea of keeping it authentic to the original Ruf- Rufio playing like kind of having a similar casting there. I think would be really cool. Um, he apparently did just then, lose 120 pounds for something. Apparently, did he really? Yeah, it says he just wow, lo- he lost a bunch awesome. of weight for a Spider-Man sequel. Yeah, I mean, I'm here for Jacob Batalon, however he wants to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. and if he wants to portray Rufio in whatever way he yeah, wants to. But I free. do think Rufio, right? Exactly. I, but I do think part of what made Rufio so like iconic was his like being like you know in shape and being like his athleticism is that thank you that's the word i was looking for his athleticism was like that was a huge part of it um but i do i do think he'd be great and then uh my very last one was wendy i did cast my what i who i thought should be wendy granny wendy um but i think julie walters would just be an amazing granny wendy and um you know julie walters Mm -hmm. like yeah, yeah, I think she would be. I think she'd be lovely. She's a uh, well, she's a uh, Miss Wendy. Weasley and 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 Potter, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I love her. You don't want you don't want to go with Maggie Smith, who's just be who's essentially playing. Who could her just age. play herself? <laughs> I, well, remember, I preface all of this with I really don't think you can recast Hook, but if you could, th- these are these are okay. the people that I, I would you. I would I would consider. No, it's yeah. good. I like him. Uh, I'm still thinking on the Bennett Cumberbatch and Bateman kind of pairing which i really like yeah i do think that would be really interesting cumberbatch yeah. and, and and bateman would be great yeah. yeah it would be fun uh so, this... so what about you what about you oh i didn't think of anyone this is just for you oh, oh okay okay <laughs> <laughs> oh okay great no pressure well i mean i think i feel most solid retrospectively about my toodles casting of jim broadbent oh, J- J- i think that's J- J- the broadbent's only one J- yeah i yeah. think that's the only one i'm like yeah that's definitely yeah, it <laughs> i like that yeah he, he would be good he, he no he fits perfectly <laughs> with that so uh, does this film fit with any other genres outside of the Christmas adjacent genre? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's got that fantasy kind of, you know, yeah, definitely. But I think 
uh, I actually, I, upon rewatching it, I almost like it is definitely adjacent, if not like <laughs> living on the street over super like, you know, from Christmas. But yeah, I, I definitely think that it is. Uh, it definitely fits into some other categories. Yeah, I put I put fantasy and family film uh, and all that. But yeah, so that goes to how does this film fit within the Christmas adjacent genre? I think I mean, it's a movie and we haven't really discussed this. And it's the whole movie, the whole month is about Christmas adjacent stuff. And we haven't even brought Christmas in this episode, really. Um, but like you said, it is very adjacent where it's like it's bookended with it's Christmas at the beginning when they come to London. It's Christmas at the end when uh, it's I, I don't know if it's Christmas Day. It makes it feel like it could be Christmas Day when they're waking up because it's a weird thing where like it has the like Peter is finding out the importance of family, which is very uh integral to a lot of the christmas like traditional christmas movies right Um, right but it's not it's not done through the perspective of christmas it's done it's done through uh neverland and and peter pan and all that stuff but like it's essentially i feel like the peter pan story is essentially replacing the idea of like christmas in a christmas movie as a way to bring that out of him if that makes sense it's like yeah i definitely oh, go ahead. yeah i well, i just i think chris it's kind of what we were talking we did kind of talk on hint on the or talk about it about it a bit earlier of just like the christmas part is more bringing out that childhood piece like that that call back to yeah. your childhood because i think that's a very common you know when you think about your childhood it's common to think of christmas so and in a way to uh to compare it to say charles dickens is a christmas carol uh, he is a kind of seeing like the ghost of Christmas past the entire movie of like Ooh. what he used to be. Yeah, every, that's my I t- that's that was my good, t- Brandon. That was good. In, in a way, <laughs> yeah. it's it's that you're seeing. Well, it's almost like this: it's you're seeing your ghost of Christmas past of where he came from. You're seeing the ghost of uh, Christmas present in terms of him seeing what his life has become, and right, then in right. a way, seeing ghosts of Christmas future with Jack becoming with essentially forgetting about him and moving on right, from his right, father. Yeah. So it's basically like like what if, it could be. It yeah. could be if I don't change my ways. Yeah, yeah. So it still kind of follows that structure in a weird. No, no. I, I love that so much. <laughs> God, that is some deep symbolism right there that I had not. I, 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 yeah, I can't even really, what do you even say to that? That was beautiful. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, God, Brandon, I'm tearing up a little bit. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna sing a Christmas song. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. putting all this in there. I have no clue if that was the case, but it's just like, yeah. in terms of viewing no, it through that. through our idea of like Christmas and Christmas adjacent as a genre, it's like they're essentially taking the Christmas part out of it, but using yeah. all that as kind of the way that as a surrogate. I would also say, and this is like, it's interesting too when you were talking about like the history and like the onset piece of like um, Spielberg talking about how like he didn't feel confident in the things that he like didn't it, the, the scenes he didn't feel confident in he like made up for with like production design and stuff yeah. like i also think like christmas in general just from like a visual standpoint adds a lot of production value to anything because i think like there's these massive snow scenes and there's beautiful sceneries and beautiful you know it's a nat- like it's a beautiful time like even the most dingy dark horrible <laughs> like cave at christmas would be rather lovely and like you know so i think that there's also like some production elements that christmas yeah. adds to the story in a way that's important no i agree completely i think that's all we have on hook anything else you want to say i'm still nervous (laughs) i am not (laughs) it's been like so an hour however it's it's been been a lot longer than that it's like two hours yeah Yeah, i'm I'm gonna have to trim this this down a little bit 
Good. I'm so glad. There's many things. I'm going to text you a litany of things I'd like you to take out. No, I'm kidding. But I I am still nervous. But I loved uh, I loved being on the podcast and getting to talk to you is always fun. And I, I just really appreciate the opportunity. And I think it's really cool to to talk about Hook. And um, it's fun to look back on these films and really break them apart and and really understand them. Um, so, yeah. So thanks. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, but yeah, that's all we have for you on this episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Cinenation Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to leave us a review on whatever platform you're on. And if you haven't already, make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next week, Thomas will be rejoining me to discuss the filmography of writer-director Shane Black and how he might be the king of the Christmas-adjacent film with movies like Lethal Weapon, Long Kiss Goodnight, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Iron Man 3. Amy, thank you for joining me again. It's been so much fun. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.